Welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Willard Nip, and on this episode, U Pike head coach Cliff Williams and I look back at the Bears overcoming halftime deficits in both games to post victories over Shawnee State and Midway this last week. We look forward to conference tilts at home against the University of Cumberlands and on the road against Georgetown College. We continue our Off the Radar segment as we hear more about how some of the Bears serve their community on Thanksgiving Day. And as we approach the one-quarter mark of the season, we take our first look at team statistics. And as always, we update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge, all on this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. I am joined now by University of Pikeville head coach Cliff Williams. An adventuresome week for the Bears. A 2-0 with wins over both Shawnee State in the conference and an out-of-conference win against Midway. First of all, let's take the week, I guess, as a whole, and then we'll unpack both games individually. What's your takeaway from going 2-0 at home this week, Coach? Well, we needed to get our first win at home. And and so the Shawnee game, um, Shawnee game was a challenge. They came in here, they came in swinging, and uh, you know we we it took us a while before we could match their energy and then surpass it. Um, I, I felt like they played us well on both sides of the ball. They were making good decisions uh, early on. They were they just had more energy than we did. They were beating us to loose balls, so. That was a discussion at halftime in that one. Um, you know, we're talking about two come from behind wins, really, when we, if we're talking about the whole week. So, you know, what we were able to do uh, in the second half of both games, uh, I think it was 51 points. Shawnee um, shot 75% in the fourth quarter yesterday or Saturday. Um, impressive performances in the second half by, by our young ladies. And that's interesting because this is a team that has been getting off to good starts. And it certainly did against Shawnee State. At one point, you're up 11 late in the first quarter. But Shawnee State goes on a 12 to nothing run over the last part of the first quarter and the first part of the second quarter, a, a period of time, game time, it stretched two minutes and 32 seconds, a 12 nothing run, and you're down one all of a sudden after having been up 11 just a couple of minutes ago. Well, I mean, they, they, we got out and hit our first few shots and got some stops. And, you know, we we're on a little bit of a run early on, but it didn't take them long to settle in. And and so I'm not sure what it is about us playing at home, but we it, it's the starts are a little bit different at home than they are on the road for us. So, um, you know, it's once the game settled in and it got to be the back and forth affair, uh, we, we had to find – we had to settle in and, and it took us a little bit longer than we wanted to, but, uh, you know, we, we were, we were able to survive the first half and then we were able to get back to who we are, uh, as a basketball team in the second half. As you noted, they had a 30 to 28 halftime lead. Their largest lead in the game was three points with five minutes and a half to play in the third quarter. But you hang a 51-point second half, as you noted, 51-38. You outscored them in the second half, and you uh, pull away for the 79-68 win. Really solid performance by several Bears, uh, led in yep. scoring by four players in double figures, Mary Englert with 20, 
16 for Bailey Morgan Stamper, excuse me, 18 for Ali Stone, 15 for Katie Copley off the bench. Got to feel good about the contribution and the solid team play that you had in this game. Well, I mean, our bench contribution was was really, really something. You know, we, we had two freshmen go for 33 combined on really efficient shooting. You know, they were they were combined six for eight from the three, um, a total of 10 for 15 from the floor. You know, it's uh, it helps a lot when we can get that kind of support. Uh, you know, so two of those four double figures were, were those two coming off the bench. Um, Mary had a had a solid performance in this one across the board. Uh, eight rebounds, seven assists. You know, we wound up with 14 assists, which is a little under what we want. And and you know, our game goal is 12 turnovers or less. We wound up with 13. Um, I thought the second half though, we shot the ball really well. We're talking to 60% in the third quarter, 54 and a half in the fourth. Um, and so for the game, we're almost 46% from the floor, over 40% from the three, um, just under 80 from the free throw line. And like you said, you know, we went 12 for 12 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, which that's going to win you a few games. One of the things that you and I talked about last year was the goal of making more free throws than your opponent attempts. And in this game, you made 18 free throws. Shawnee State attempted 11. It's a nine-point disparity from a line. Any game decided by 11, that, that's a significant stat. Certainly, certainly. Um, you know, it's it's we only had 11 field goal attempts in the third quarter, right, on record. Um, you know, just, just made one, made three. But, you know, going, you know, 12, 12 points we get with no defense standing in front of us. <laughs> 15 feet, you know, we'll take it. We get our first conference win. You know, we, we can't forget Morgan State goes seven out of 13 from the floor with 13 rebounds. We had contributions across the board here. So uh, it, it was impressive, impressive, um, impressive second half. You noted second halves, and you mentioned Mary's stat line earlier, but that second half, she put it together, 14 points, five assists, four rebounds in the second half alone. Really great effort by your senior. It led the way, really, right? Like on both sides of the ball, just the communication piece on the defensive side of the ball and, and the offensive side of the ball, you know, made tough shots, finding her teammates, like, you know, and, and just our ability to be able to to catch and shoot and knock down open shots and take that for granted, right? You know, it, it's not easy to knock down open shots like that. And, and especially when you got people flying at you, you know, trying to close out. So um, kudos to to how we were able to finish that game. So the win over Shawnee State makes you three and one in the Mid South Conference standings. It proves you to four and two overall on the season at that point. So what's the what's the speech at halftime there, Coach? What adjustments at halftime are you looking at? Well, let's just talk about Midway for a second and kind of set this up. It's you know this is a team that's going to press for forty minutes. They're going to throw three different kinds of press at you. They're going to throw three different types of defense at you in the half court. They're going to pressure the ball everywhere it goes, and and they're just going to make the game chaotic. And and Olivet Nazarene was similar, but these guys bring more ball pressure. They're more athletic. They're in the passing lanes. You have to really be intentional about taking care of the basketball and playing, playing a certain way against them. Um, your spacing has to be good. 
Your timing has to be good. You've got to play off two feet and balanced. You've got to use ball fakes to move the defense. Like all these little things that coaches talk about, you actually have to execute possession to possession against a team like this. Um, so the first half of this game, I felt like we were inconsistent in doing those things. When we did those things, we created opportunities for ourselves, you know, to, to get uncontested shots. Um, when we didn't, uh, we, we struggle. We either turn the ball over, wound up not forcing a shot. Like we just got out of sorts offensively. Um, and then they shot 62 and a half percent from the floor in the first quarter, uh, 40, almost 50% in the second quarter. They shot the lights out in the first half of this game. And so I just had to keep reminding our kids that we just need to keep playing. They will not continue to shoot at this clip for 40 minutes. And because of how they play, they're going to continue to create opportunities for us to get back into this game. So keep your head up, keep playing. And then the message at halftime was we simplified our offensive attack. Um, and that really was it from an offensive standpoint. We, we made a defensive adjustment to, to switch one through four. Um, and we stuck with that for the entire second half. And, and so those were the two halftime adjustments. As you note, there are times when it's not so much what you necessarily are doing wrong. You shot the ball respectable in the first half, 12 out of 28, just slightly under 50%. First quarter, you were 7 out of 13, so 53.8. So you're, it's not that you're shooting horribly. You've got seven turnovers for, for the first half. You've got a goal of, you just said, 12 for the entire game. So you're not that far off course. So it's not so much always what we are doing wrong as opposed to what the other guy is doing right. And when you know that you really believe in your heart, they cannot sustain that. How do you communicate that to your team so that they can continue to give you the effort that they are already giving you? It's just, it's just, we have to keep reminding them, right? Every timeout, every dead ball, we just keep reminding them. And then, and then, it was, it was from a strategy standpoint, we had to put ourselves in a position to, to get some stops. And, and so they went, they went to a four guard uh, lineup about midway through the third quarter. And we decided to go ahead and match that. And, and so we bring, you know, you, you want to tie this to the other game and we talk about bench production, right? Our bench production wasn't nearly what it was on Tuesday. However, the defensive performance that we got from Abby Atkins for 11 minutes helped turn the game around. So this is why I don't look at bench points as per se as an indicator of how we're doing there. It's about the overall production because if we didn't get stops in that game in the second half, we weren't going to be able to flip it and, and come out with a victory. So you go into the second half trailing by 12 you begin to cut it down gradually. When you make a run and you go into the fourth quarter trailing 56-51, you've knocked nine points off of that deficit, but you still got a ways to go. What's the timeout in the between the two quarters? What are you saying to the team at that point? You've positioned yourself to win. Let's go finish, right? It, it, that's all it was. It was like you guys have created the wave. You've snatched the momentum in this game. Now let's go finish the deal. 
And, you know, I, I got to give our players, if people don't understand, like I personally or Coach Wheeler, we did not call a single out-of-bounds play in that game. Our players called every one of them. And what what transpired in the second half was, was on the baseline out-of-bounds plays is that we took complete advantage of them sitting in a 2-3 zone. And it's our players executing one simple play and taking what the defense gave them. For example, it was 50 to 36. We come out of that timeout. It was a baseline out-of-bounds play. Allie Stone gets it. The only three she hit in the game was the three ball out of, out of the corner off an inbounds pass. Immediately, the leads cut to a, from 14 to 11. We go and get a stop. We get it to nine on the next possession. That's how this thing started to unfold. And so, you know, from the outside looking in, you know, you think coaches call everything. And that's just not the case. We, we position our players to make decisions, you know, during the game. And, and they certainly take ownership of it. And hats off to them. I mean, they did a great job executing in the second half. Fourth quarter was one that Bailey Frazier will always remember. Uh, she put up a monstrous fourth quarter in this contest. 15 points, oh, sorry, 13 points in the fourth quarter, three rebounds. Second half, 15 points, six rebounds, two assists. And the comeback, uh, she hits the three that gives you the lead at 57-56. Midway, they're not yet done yet. They, they come back uh, to tie this game at 71 with a minute 39 to play you get another three-pointer again by bailey frazier and 74 71 you take the lead for good at that point anytime you can get 20 points on nine field goal attempts um you're playing team basketball right we've had we've had two other players take more shots than she did in this game think about that right yet she's the leading scorer okay she locked in in our film session when we started talking about how we needed to attack their zone. And so when we went to a smaller lineup, she's now playing a power forward position. She's playing the four. So she had to play the short corner, play from behind the zone, et cetera. And, and when I went back and watched the film on Sunday, she, it was really high IQ basketball from her because she locked in on how we needed to attack the zone. And then she was able to play from the short corner to the long corner and get to the three-point line. And they did not know where she was. They kept losing her because she was playing from behind the defense. And, and I can't say enough about her decision-making, which led to her going seven and nine from the floor, four or five from the, from the three, right? seven rebounds like her decision making was elite and i don't like to throw that word around lightly it was on the next midway possession uh you get a block by sierra feltner uh to basically at that point uh, keep them from tying or potentially tying the game as you come back down the court then uh ali shoots a three-pointer that misses but bailey with the offensive rebound gets fouled goes to the line drains two ball game we had players step up and take tough shots in tough moments of the game with absolutely no fear and knock them down. And, you know, as a, as a coach, you just love to see that because the game happens really, really fast. You know, you don't want to see anyone, you know, shy away from the moment. We trust every player that we have out there on the floor. And, and we certainly had, 
you know, Bailey stepped up and made multiple shots in big, in big situations. Allie hit some big shots in the fourth quarter off the mid range, which, uh, you know, they, they help either maintain the lead or give us a lead. I was going to say huge game for Allie as well. As you said, two out of three in the fourth quarter were four points in the second half. She had nine points, which were absolutely crucial. You talk about having confidence in your entire team, and you demonstrated that Saturday with some substitutions and some coaches' decisions that you made because the lineup and the game dictated it. So as a result, a couple of your seniors, a couple of your veterans that you're going to count on and you've counted on for years, they ended up on the bench some because the lineup and the need of the moment dictated that. Can you say more about that? Our job is to position our team to win in, in given situations. So we needed our best on-ball defenders currently, that, that our best on-ball defenders on the floor in that game. And that happened to be Morgan, Allie, Haley, um, Abby Atkins, and Bailey Frazier. And, and so that's the line. Right. If we don't get stops, we don't give ourselves a chance to win. And then they happen to also get it going offensively. What started as a defensive focus and a defensive effort turned into production on both sides of the ball. And so it, it really that's that's it. There, there's nothing else to that. I'm going to say this and I've said it to a couple of our players this morning in, in one on one film sessions is that when you go back and watch the film, if you watch our bench, in the second half, you see Mary and Sierra leading the charge along with the rest of our bench. Our bench was on fire for the second half of that game. And, you know, without that, we don't come back and win that game. I believe that with, with 100% of my heart because if it only took talent, a whole lot of teams would have won this past weekend. But it takes a heck of a lot more than that to get it done, especially when you're coming back from double digits against against a quality opponent. So, you know, the 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 all in that we displayed as a group, uh, no pouting because, you know, we, we had people not play. It was it was uh, it was what every coach loves to see from from their entire roster. You know, when when you've got players that that normally aren't in the spotlight at that time out on the floor getting it done. It's a sign of maturity on the part of those kids who are used to spending getting that many minutes and, and now finding Absolutely. themselves on the bench to to, to do that, to, to cheer for their teammates. And, and as you say, be engaged like that. That's what being a great teammate is. It's one of our non-negotiables, right? It is It is the number one non-negotiable that Coach Wheeler and I have set for this program. Um, and that is, you, <laughs> we have to play, have, be full attention on the team's mission. That's the priority, right? And, and so status and ego get set aside if we're all in on the team's mission. Sierra Feltner, right? She only wound up, she played 34 minutes, only took seven field goal attempts, but eight assists, no turnovers, right? And, and it was huge in decision-making and moving the basketball around um, in the fourth quarter for us. We were more aggressive in the second half. I mean, you know, every time I'm watching, I'm going back and looking, at, you know, we're in the paint in the second half. We get two feet in the paint, we're driving the basketball, or we're passing it to the mid post. So we're, we're collapsing the defense and making them work and playing inside, outside. Um, Haley Free was tough for us in the second half, too. Um, she had a bit of a rough first half and a rough start to the game, but 
you know, she settled down the second half and, and wound up with 10 points for us, which is big. One of our double digit scorers, right? Come away from the week, Ben, with a 2-0 and record, one conference win, one significant out-of-conference win against a team that was in the tournament last year. That will certainly bode well on your resume down the road. It will. I mean, you know, you look at the second half scoring, right? We go, what, we outscored them 44-27? to 27. Yes. So, you know, that's uh, that'll get it done on most nights. And when we come back, we'll take a look at the upcoming games that the Bears have against the University of Cumberland and Georgetown College. You're with us on At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. We just noted the Bears celebrating a 2-0 week at home. But now you've got an interesting uh, situation in which you've got a split week. This is kind of unusual in the Mid-South Conference. Usually you're home for two or you're on the road for two. But this time you've got a home game against the University of Cumberland on Thursday and a road game against Georgetown on Saturday. How's that work? That's how the schedule was laid out. You have to call Eric Ward on that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Let's take a look at the University of Cumberland's coming into you. Uh, this coming uh, Thursday. This is a team yep. that is ranked number 24 in the preseason poll. What do you yep. know about them? This is a team that, that you had some real good battles with last year. We were able to, we were fortunate to get two out of three from these guys last year. You know, they're going to be very similar to how they were last year. They, they've added a post player with, with some length, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of offensive production that comes from that position. Um, so they're going to be guard dominant uh, with the twins at the guard, the Monday twins. We're going to, to be for an up-tempo game. It's going to be very similar to Midway when when you look at the variety of presses that they're going to throw at us, trying to trying to contain our, our transition offense. Uh, if they get behind, they're going to run two at the ball and trap and scramble. Uh, I expect a very similar game to Midway. They're just I don't feel like there's as athletic position to position as Midway is, but their guards are super quick. So we're going to have our work cut out for us on the defensive end once again. You mentioned going two out of three against them last year. One of the things that I take away from that uh, memory of, of those three games was the performance of Sierra Feltner against a team from her hometown. Uh, she seems to really just dial it up against them. It's it's a little bit personal. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, it's – I think – you know, we talk about it's harder for our kids to play at home than it is on the road. You know, you've got family and friends and, you know, they, they feel a little bit more pressure to perform um, in, in front of in front of those. It's similar for Sierra when she goes to Williamsburg, you know, all of her family would be there. So that first couple of years, uh, you know, she struggled to, to perform well. And last year she kind of she really broke out of it and, and had a monster game, you know, at, at Williamsburg at the University of Cumberland. So um We'll get to play them twice. We'll have an opportunity to go back there, but we'll get this one in the U-Pike gym and uh, look forward to a big game on Thursday night. And then you turn around on Saturday with the road trip to Georgetown. Yeah, it, I think it is. Um, it's a gym similar to ours, right? The fans are on top of you. It's usually a good crowd because um, about halfway through, they start piling in for the men's game. Um, Georgetown's a rival. You know, it's Shawnee's coach uh, went over there from a couple of years ago, and that Shawnee U-Pike rivalry was was certainly in place. And 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 now that he's over there, you know, it's a big game. 
first few years we went over there, it seemed like they would turn the heat up and it'd be about 120 degrees. <laughs> You're not more. the first coach to say that, say that. And, and, you know, last year it wasn't like that. I don't know if coach nickel had something to do with that and, and turning the, you know, cause he was a visiting coach in there for, for many years. Right. So, um, it wasn't nearly as bad in there last year. So we'll see, we'll see how it is, but I expect a, a big time battle. Um, you know, we, we didn't perform at our best when we went there last year. So looking for a little bit of redemption heading in there. On the season as a whole, you're approaching the one quarter mark. Obviously it's still very early in the season in the conference schedule. And yet this is a week that has the potential to be significant in the end of the season standings for the conference. It does it not. Sure. I mean, when you look at these two teams, you you expect them to at least be in the top five uh, or top four in the conference, right? So it's important, you know, to, to win these home games and do your best to steal whatever you can on the road. So um, we've got four conference games left before we go on Christmas break, um, before um, we head into exam week and then get into Christmas break. So, you know, we're certainly got our sights pointed at, at the University of Cumberland on Thursday. We'll take them one game at a time and uh, we'll head to Georgetown Saturday. But just for for an understanding standpoint, right, like what's ahead, you know, we've got the number one team in the country the following week. And, and then we'll go to Wilberforce to wrap up that four game stretch. So uh, we got our work cutouts for us the next few weeks, but our opportunity is big too to position ourselves for conference season heading into January. And when we come back on At The Horn, we're going to talk about the Off The Radar segment. You're going to like this one. With the Bears being roughly one-fourth of the way into their season, it's a good time to check in on some statistics. We'll start with some team stats. In their first seven contests, the Bears are averaging 74.4 points per game while holding their opponents to 70.3 points. The Bears' field goal percentage is slightly better than their opponent's. They're shooting 43.9% from the field as compared to the opponent's 42.9%. One of Coach Williams' points of emphasis this season has been on increased productivity from the three-point stripe. Thus far on the season, the Bears are shooting 35.8% from three-point land, making an average of 6.9 trays per contest while holding their opponents to 29% shooting from the three-point line and seeing them make an average of 5.1 three-pointers per contest. The charity stripe, this team is shooting a little lower than its percentage has been in years past, making 69.3% of their free throws, while their opponents are making 74%. One critical stat for this team will be its rebounding margin, and so far, so good, as they are out-rebounding their opponents 37.1 to 32.1 rebounds per game. The Bears average 14.3 assists per contest against 12.4 turnovers. Their opponents, 10.9 assists against 11 turnovers. Now let's take a look at some of the individual numbers for the Bears. U-Pike features a balanced scoring attack with five players averaging in double figures. Mary Englert leads the way, averaging 14.6 points per game, followed by Sierra Feltner's 12.9, Bailey Frazier's 11.9, Morgan Stamper's 11.6, and freshman Allie Stone's 10.1 points per game. It's worth noting that at one time or another, four different Bears, Mary, Sierra, Bailey, and Allie, have led the team in scoring at least one time in a game. 
Morgan Stamper leads the team in field goal percentage, shooting 53.2% from the field. And as one might expect, she also leads the team with 9.7 rebounds per contest. Her average of six offensive rebounds a game has her second in the nation in that category. Bailey Frazier is second on the team with 5.9 rebounds per game. Bailey and Allie Stone are both 12 out of 26 from the three-point line on the season, good for a team-leading 46.2%. And with a minimum of 10 free-throw attempts, Bailey is also the team's leading free-throw shooter. She's 15 out of 18 on the season, good for 83.3%. Sierra Feltner leads the team with 3.7 assists per contest, while Mary Englert averages 3.2. That's a look at some of the statistics for the U-Pike Bears thus far on the season. Welcome back to At The Horn. In our next segment, this has become a lot of fun for us, and it's generating some interesting conversation among people as we hear back and feedback about the, the podcast, Off The Radar, where we take a look at some aspect or some person within the program who helps to set the culture, establish a culture, raise the bar, as it were, that is absolutely critical to the program's overall success, and yet engages in something that fans who attend the games may never see. And so this particular week was Thanksgiving week, and the Bears did something, or at least some of the Bears, got to do something really cool on Thursday. Coach, tell us about what the Bears did on Thursday. Well, we joined in with the rest of the Pikeville community and prepared meals that were taken all over the county for, for those who were less fortunate. And, and they were Thanksgiving meals. That, that, uh, so it was basically this massive assembly line <laughs> with, uh, with, with some people actually going through and, and filling plates. Others made sure that that these plates were sealed and contained other others helped with boxing um it's just a big community effort uh that you know it was one random act of kindness after another and this takes place at the Appalachian Wireless Arena where you were playing your games this week was that was that a different experience for your players to to be in that arena in a different capacity not necessarily we've done other other community service events in, in the arena um, it's just, you know, with us playing on Saturday, we, we actually practiced while they were finishing up. We started practice at noon and, and the, the event didn't end up until one. So whoever was still working, got a treat, um, and got to watch us practice at least for, for half an hour, 45 minutes while, while they were wrapping up the, uh, the food event. Serving the community is something that is from my experience with this program, a critical ingredient to helping this be more than basketball, is it not? Oh, a hundred percent. And 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 this is, you know, it's basketball helps us learn how to deal with adversity, and and life is filled with it, right? And so, you know, when when we're fortunate and we're in a position to to give back and serve, you know, we just need to remember that there's always those out there that are less fortunate that need to either be uplifted or just need a helping hand. And, you know, if we're in a position to give, uh, there, there's no hesitation. It's just time, right? And and there's no better time than the moment uh, to, to give back and to serve those that are less fortunate. 
When we come back on At The Horn, speaking of serving and helping others in need, we'll update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. Thanks for joining us on At The Horn. As always, we want to update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. For those who are unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Williams donates $1 for every bucket the team makes to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children who rely on schools to provide meals and may not have food at home over the weekend or extended breaks by providing low preparation food items for the students to take home with them on the weekend. With 27 buckets against Shawnee State and 29 against Midway, the season's total now stands at 234. If you wish to match a specific game, a week, or even the entire season and need more information, you can contact Pikeville United Methodist Church at area code 606-437-7315. If you wish to donate by check, make the check payable to Pikeville United Methodist Church Put buckets for backpacks in the memo and mail it to PUMC, P.O. Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. For those of you who utilize technology and would like to make a donation, there are two options. First, you can go to the church's website, PikevilleUMC, short for United Methodist Church, PikevilleUMC.org. Scroll down to the page to the Give Now button and use the drop-down screen to find the backpacks food option. Or if you use the Venmo app, Pikeville United Methodist Church's account is at P-U-M-C with two dashes, no spaces, at P-U-M-C, two dashes. Hey, thank you for joining us today on At The Horn, and as always, Go Bears! <laughs>